we have been talking about getting the alignment with God's assignment. Say, God has an assignment for my life. Jeremiah says that. He says, I know the plans I have for you. God has a plan for each and every one of us. Regardless if you, you're young to the game or you just showed up and you're at the later stages of life, regardless if this is the first time you heard it or if you've been around it, God has a plan for all of us. Sometimes some of us show up late, as we didn't know. Some of us show up late because we had to repent. Matthew 21, Jesus said as a parable, a father told his two sons, go out in the field and work. And one said, sure, and took off and then changed his mind. The other one says, no, I'm not going, but then down the road changed his mind and got in. And Jesus asked in the parable, which one of the sons did the right thing? And they said, the one that finished, the one that repented and got in. And so if you're here today and you're feeling discouraged in life because maybe things have passed you by because you weren't in God's plan, and the devil will tell you it's too late for you, it's too far gone, it's too late in life, don't worry about it now, I'm here to encourage you. It's better to get in late than not get in at all. Are you with me? God has an assignment for all of us. God has, say, God has an assignment for me. And so we have to learn to get into the alignment of God's assignment. And we've talked about the direction, demand, and destination. We need divine direction. It doesn't come because it should come. It doesn't become, it doesn't happen because God wants it to happen. This mentality that has been, it's really a, a deceptive lie, a doctrine that's gone in the church world. And, and don't get mad at me when you hear me say it. Just listen to the whole process. Because too many times we've been told that if God wants it to happen, it will happen. Well, it must be God's will for, because it happened. And that's unscriptural. What it does is it puts all the, the, all the responsibility on God's hands. And none on ours. And we accept whatever happens in life. This must be what God wants because if it's God's will, if he wants it to happen, it will happen. He's all-powerful, Pastor. He is all-powerful. But he also created a system. He'll never override his word. And he'll never force and override your will. So there's a partnership that we have to have with the plan of God. Hebrews 6, 12, Hebrews eleven thirty three. Don't take my word for anything. Challenge everything. It's through faith and patience we inherit. We, we have to activate what God has. We have to choose this day, the Bible says, whom you'll serve. It's, the Bible tells us that it's the will of the Father that every person gets saved, that none should perish. And yet we know there are a lot of people that won't make it to heaven, unfortunately. And it's not because God didn't want them there. It's not because God didn't plan for them to be there. It's because they chose not to receive what he's done for them to get them there. Because good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And so we go through the understanding that, hey, there is, we need divine direction. Oh, pastor, I'm doing it great. And it, it, this is not a condemnation because Romans 8, there's therefore now no condemnation. All of us, including myself, we are always or should always be growing. When you stop growing, that means you've stopped moving. You've stopped learning. We should always be learning. You never outgrow growth. And you don't know everything. None of us do. And in every phase, and if you know everything, that tells me you've been in the same phase a long time. Once you got the system figured out at school, you've been in sixth grade too long. Isn't that right? You finally get the elementary vibe down, and they promote you up to a whole nother place. And you finally get high school down, and then they promote you to another place, right? And you find, it's like once you finally get this thing figured out, there's like time for you to go. Go, I'm comfortable. I know the ins and outs. I know, but it's time for you being promoted to the next level. Some of us, we're so comfortable because we're so confident because we've been in 
12th grade for 15 years. We've got it figured out. But there's always more in store with Jesus. Can I get an amen? The Proverbs 4 tells us the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. There's always more in store with Jesus. The best is yet to come. And anytime you take a step into the next, it's always new. And anytime you take a step into the new, it will always create a little sense of, am I at the right place? This is not, I'm not too comfortable with this. If you want the comfort of a blanket, go buy a blanket. Go buy a nice, warm, fuzzy, ugg blanket and put, tap it with your hand, and you can feel warm and fuzzy there. But many times when you step in the, the plans of God, it's not always going to be what you're familiar with. Well, I've never done this before. I know. That's why you're going to the next level. I don't know anybody who's been here before. I know. You're going to be a trailblazer. Come on, somebody. Say, I'm going to be a trailblazer. If you, if you do only what you've always done, you'll be where you've always been. But if you believe that God does have more in your marriage, in your health, in your finances, in your career, in your ministry, in your peace of mind, whatever it might be, then you have to be willing to shake off, the Bible says, the weights, not only the sins, but the weights that hold you back. One of the weights that holds us back is that comfort zone of, I've got this figured out. I'm secure in everything I know. And you might be confident with everything you know, but there's still much to be learned for all of us. And I'm not saying that we should walk around being nervous and having that. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that we all have to get to that mindset because the Bible says that every man's ways are right in their own eyes. When you think you've got it all figured out, take a step back and say, God, is there more? And find it. he'll say, yes, there is more. I have something so much greater. Again, that verse that we quoted earlier, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared. You know what happens to people when they, when they stop growing? Not only do they become secure in their space, then they begin to not only define it, but then they begin to defend it. Have you noticed that? And they'll go to verbal war with people. Sometimes a real war with people. But a verbal debate with people. Why? Because they're defending the boundaries of what they know is to be true. And we know the word is true, so I'm not trying to get you to doubt the word. But I'm saying as you grow in the things of God, keep everything centered. Don't go to extreme on me. As we grow in the things of God, you know, when you're, when you're following the Lord, you don't got time to argue with people to get them to see it your way. You pray, with, pray for them. You love them. If they disagree with you, that's fine. But, you know, I mean, if, if you're sitting at a steakhouse eating uh, prime rib and lobster and someone tells you that, that, that there's no such thing as prime rib and lobster, just smile and say, oh, okay, God bless you. Have a great day. While you're enjoying your prime rib and lobster. Some of us are like, there's no such thing as prime rib and lobster? Oh, oh, my. And they throw, out, they throw away their prime rib and lobster because someone told them there's no such thing as prime rib and lobster. Oh, there used to be prime rib and lobster back in the day. But God doesn't have that anymore for anybody. Oh, okay. While you're eating it, enjoy it. Don't let people talk you out of what God's bringing into your life. Enjoy it. You see, why are you talking about prime rib and lobster? I don't know. Maybe I'm hungry. But, but I think for some of us, you change your word around. Oh, God doesn't heal anymore. He don't. If God's healing you, enjoy it. Don't debate with people. Love them. Pray for them. Let everybody walk this thing out by their own revelation and faith. God doesn't do that. I don't know if that, I've never seen that before. That's okay. 
We're not trying to follow people. We're not trying to follow trends. We just try to follow the Holy Spirit. Amen? And walk this thing out for yourself. You don't have to convince everybody you're right. When you're, when you're walking things out and your, your conscience is clear and you're obeying the word of God, you don't need to prove it to everybody. You know what gets me concerned is when people are trying to prove it. To me, that means they're really not too sure themselves. But we need divine direction. We need to access that. The key verse we talked last week about following God's plans. And when you follow God's plan, God's plan is the fastest plan. If you do it God's way, it is faster than the world's way. It's better. See, the world's way will make you think it's faster, and then it brings you right back down. But God says he will not only take you there, he'll keep you there. The path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter and brighter. Not brighter than darker. Brighter than darker. That's the way the world does. That's what happens to us in the church world when we surely, we try to base everything off an emotion. Emotionally high, not so high. Emotionally great, not so great. I'm feeling spiritual, I don't feel anything at all. Jesus loves me, this I know. Lord, have you turned from, see those are, that's not having a good foundation. And if you're there and you're a baby Christian, don't feel bad, we're to grow. I never get mad at a child when they're crawling if that's the phase they're in. You don't look at your two-year-old and say, it's time for you to get a job and start bringing some money into the. <laughs> they would call DFS. They would call the Vision of Family Services on you, right? You've been eating around here, making a mess, noisy. You need to get a job. Eight years old. They're two years old. No, when you let people grow. That's one of the things that God's given us is that grace and mindset. We love people where they're at. But if you're still in a diaper making a mess and you're 15, well, maybe we need to talk about that. If you're 30, still living under your parents' roof and letting them feed you and clean you and wash you and time for a bath, I think that we got some issues there. Come on, somebody. God has a plan. Israel, when God was getting Israel to the promised land, the path Literally, could have taken days, but it took decades. And when we're following God's plans, I don't know about you. You do it. You you're, you do you. All right. But for me, I want the fast path. Now, it, it doesn't always happen as fast as I'm wanting it because I want it yesterday. But if I'm having to walk this out by faith and patience, I don't want the forty-year plan. I don't want the decade plan. If there is a day plan. You know, now, some, some things will just take years. Sometimes, you know, I mean, Noah worked on that ark for a long time. Abraham had to walk through a process that took, took years. So there are some things that God will walk you through that does take years. I get that. But if it's going to take years, don't add to it. You hear what I'm saying? Sometimes our unbelief, our resistance, Hebrews 4, will get us where we get out of the path, and it'll take decades where it only should have taken days. And if the day journey takes decades, how long does the decade journey take? Because there are going to be some paths that God will put you on that will take days. Some take uh, weeks. Some take months. Some take a year. Some take 10 years. But if we're, if we're stretching out a short journey to decades, Lord, help us. I, I, that's why one of my prayers is it, that 
God placed on my heart just about six months ago is, Lord, as I, if I'm praying for something, and I'll say, Father, if there is a fast path, show me. I want to be on the right path. I don't want the slow path. Don't give me the slow lane. Don't give me the detour and everybody's merged into one lane. I want the fast lane. Come on, somebody. You know you're the same way because you cut me off coming to church. I saw you. I saw you. I saw you. I'm joking. No, you didn't. I made that comment about a year ago about someone doing that. Literally, it, it was like in a truck. and I had more people coming up. Was it me? Was it? No, it wasn't you. I, I don't know who it was. But say, God has a plan. God's plan is not only the, the, the best plan, the fast plan, it's also the most powerful plan. Let me read this out of Psalms 25, New Living. David says it this way, show me the right path. Will you read that with me together? Let's do this together. Ready? One, two, three. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Let's read the next verse, verse five. Lead me by your truth. Teach me. Wow, give yourself a hand clap. That was great for the first swing of the bat. I mean, literally, that was like hitting a home run on the first pitch. Good for you. Show me the right path. That means there's more than one path. Show me the right path, God. Show me. The steps of the righteous are order of the Lord. Show me the right path. Your word is lamp in my feet and light in my, to my path. Show me the right path. That's an acceptable prayer. David prayed to show me, make it clear we might act and try to look a certain way with our branding and our perception and persona, but let's get real. We need to face, get face-to-face with God, get real with the Lord, and say, Lord, there's stuff ahead of me. I'm, I don't know. It's uncertain. And if it's not uncertain, I'm questioning if you're walking in faith because the steps of the righteous are being led, but it's a leading process. We don't have all the steps like a navigational system. I like navigational systems. I like the 10 steps ahead of me. But Jesus doesn't give me a 10-step navigational system to the next season. What Jesus tells us is like he told the disciples, follow me and I'll make you. It's a matter of if you can see me and stay close to me, you're going to get there. Because if if God gave you the 12 steps to get to wherever he's taking you in destiny, the human tendency is to leave God and follow the steps and to worship the steps and not God. And we'll write books about the steps and we'll take God out of it. And people are trying the steps and they're getting exhausted because God didn't tell them to do those steps. God told that person to do those steps. Do you see my point? I want to free you up from trying to copy everybody who's done something and it turned out well. Because if God told them, they obeyed. If, if If God didn't tell you, don't do it. Why? Because you might be in a different, place, a different boat, a different season, a different location than they were. And too many times we try to copy people. Oh, it worked for them. I'm going to do it. If God told you to do it, then do it. Because we live in a world of uncertainty. And we, we strive for having the, I wish I just knew. And we get a few people around us that would tell us, you got it down. But what if they don't have it down? We need to know by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and that's what we talked about in the last couple of weeks, about having that peace on the inside, let it be the umpire, because the Holy Spirit will lead us through truth, the truth of God's Word. He will line everything up. Anytime God guides you, it will give you peace on the inside, even if there's a storm around you, and it will always be lined up with the Word of God. God will never ask you to do something that's out of alignment with His Word. Let me say that again. God will never ask you to do something that is out of alignment with his word. 
Let me try this again. God will never ask you to do something that is out of alignment with his word. But you don't understand. You don't understand, Pastor. I heard it clearly. Well, then you heard a demon clearly. Because God will never ask you to do something that's out of alignment with his word. But you understand, I saw an angel. Good, you saw a demon. God will never ask you to do something that's out of alignment with his word. Paul says, even if an angel shows up and preaches a different gospel, it is not an angel from God. The Bible says the enemy can show up and appear as an angel of light. You have to get this foundational truth that the word of God is the foundation. God will never lead you outside, around, over. Oh, we don't need the Bible anymore. I have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reminds you, Jesus said he will not speak of himself. He will only remind you or speak what I have already said. He leads you within the context. He guides you by truth. We broke that down last week. We don't follow things, people, emotions, trends, if they're out of alignment with the Word of God. But this person's so anointed and so called of God and has great titles and followers. If they ask you to do something that's out of alignment with the Word of God, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the warm and fuzzy. I don't care about the goosebumps. I don't care about the people. If it's out of alignment with the Word of God, don't do it. I don't know who that's for, but I think you got the point. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me, lead me by your truth. Teach me, for you are God who saves me. I'm going to read this again, but this time I'm going to read it out of the King James. Notice this. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth. Teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. Say, the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all day. Now notice what he's saying. Show me, which means I don't know. The confidence of you knowing everything can be a scary, dangerous place. Get into the reality. You don't have to tell people. You don't have to. But get between you and the Lord. God, show me what to do in this situation. Show me the path. But notice, show me the path. Teach me your, show me the ways. Teach me your path. Why? Lead me in truth. Teach me for you are the God of my salvation. Are you, are you listening? So this is when it gets a little more fun, because if we just read surface, we walk away and say, yeah, God's the God of our salvation. God is the one who saves us. He's the, he's the one who saves us, so he's the one that can direct us. But you missed the point of what's being said here. In the Hebrew, that word there is yeshe. Say yeshe. All right, now you know you're bilingual all of a sudden. You're good. The word salvation there is yeshe. Are you ready? It means several things. First one means Liberty. Say liberty. So he's, here's one of the things he's saying. You are the God of my liberty. Teach me the path because you are the source of my liberty. You're the author and finisher of my faith, the Bible says. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the, all things were created by him and for him, John 1. All things were created by him and for him, and without him nothing was made that was made. You are my source of liberty. Teach me the path. Why? Because if you show me the path, it's going to take me to you, and when I get to you, I'm going to have liberty. Say, you're the God of my liberty. So when the enemy tries to bring something of bondage in your life, say, no, 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 I'm following the path of God. Show me what I need to do because you are my source of liberty. You are the God of my liberty. You created it, created me. The Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. 
Where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Bible says, there is liberty. What am I telling you? He has not called for you to be bound. He's called for you to be free. He is the God of liberty. Anything, anyone, any religion, any doctrine, any angel, any demon that tells you God wants you bound, don't listen to it because the Bible says he is the God who sets you free. Am I talking to anybody who's ever been set free by God? Set free in your mind, set free in your finances, set free in your body. He is the one who sets you free. For this reason was the Son of Man manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the enemy. He is, say he is, my God of liberty. That's the first definition. You ready for this? Yeshay, you are the God of my salvation. You are the God of Yeshay. You are the God of liberty. You are God of liberty. You are the God of deliverance. Not only freedom, but freedom from bondage and freedom to live the way you want to live. He is the God. Say, he is the God. He is the God of deliverance. He is the God of deliverance. And just on a side note, I'm not political, but this is not political. Israel is still God's people. Romans 11. Israel is, God is not done with Israel. They are still the apple of his eye, and he is the deliverer. And there will be a day where they're all the nations of the world will be against Jerusalem and against Israel. But God and God alone will defend them, and they will win. Are you listening to me? The Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We are in the last of the last days. We did a whole series in the summer, but you just turned the news on. We are in the last of the last days, and the minds of people are being deceived. The power of deception, you're not aware that you're deceived. It's a demonic attack. Not just on Jerusalem, but just in people's lives. But we can recognize and say, God, you are the God of deliverance and liberty. What does that tell me? Let me say it on the flip side, the positive. The Bible says you have the mind of Christ. Talk to me, church. The Bible tells us that Jesus has been made wisdom unto you. Ephesians 1 says that you might know. He didn't say, I want God to give you the spirit of wisdom and understanding and revelation so that you don't know anything. He said, no, I'm praying that God would anoint you so that your eyes would see, that you would understand, that you would know the hope of his calling, that you would know the riches of his inheritance. Come on, somebody. That you might know the exceeding greatness of his power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, hallelujah, and set him, up, set him up at his right hand, far above all principality and power and might. God wants you to know. God wants you to know. I pray right now that there's anointing will come upon every mind that's open, that you would not be deceived by the tactics of the enemies, that that anointing of revelation and understanding that comes from God, that you would, even when you go to make a step, all of a sudden your eyes would be open and you would see, wait a minute, this is not the contract I need to sign. This is not the path I need to go. This is not the person I need to associate. This is not the place I need to be. God will open your eyes so that you can see that you would know his path clearly. Why? Because he is the God of deliverance and liberty. If you believe that, take the next 10 seconds and give him a praise. 
Shout hallelujah. Show me your path, oh God, because you are my source. You are the light that repels darkness. You are the wisdom that defeats foolishness. The third, third word here, Yeshay. You are the God of my salvation. You are the God of my Yeshay. Not just of salvation, my salvation. Ooh, hallelujah. We got to take ownership on some stuff. You can let that boat just float on by, or you can say, wait a minute, that boat belongs to me. Some of you have ran out when you see a UPS truck. Do you have my package? You don't even wait till they go to the, in front of your house or to your door. You go right out there. Hey, wait a minute, wait, wait, you pull your car around. Do you have my package? Who are you? I'm the one looking for a package talking to you. What do you mean, who am I? you got to rise up and go after what God has for you. Not let the devil sell you something short. Yeshay, liberty. Say liberty. liberty. Are you getting anything from this this morning? I'm having fun. Even if you're not, I'm having a good time. So, Liberty. Deliverance. Shout deliverance. deliverance. I like this third one. Ready for the third one? From the, the Hebrew word salvation. Yeshay. Liberty, deliverance, prosperity. David said, you're the one that causes me to succeed. Hallelujah. We believe in prosperity right here. We believe every truth can be taken to extremes and out of balance, no matter what it is. But don't throw, throw that out. You see somebody abuse a truth, don't throw the truth out. Just stop following the person you think is abusing it. There's people abuse in the church world. People will take truths and abuse it. They'll go to the extreme. Dad Hagen used to say, Dry, live in the middle of the road. Don't drive on the extremes because when you do, you'll probably end up in a ditch one day. But you can't read the Bible and not tell me that God doesn't want you. He is the God of your prosperity. Yep. Psalms 1-3, whatever you put your hands to is blessed. Why? Because you're following him. Amen. Right? The Bible's filled with verses. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith is impossible to please him. For he that comes at God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. He, Deuteronomy 20, all the way from Old Testament, under the law, to New Testament, God rewards those who obey him. Amen. He doesn't take, he gives. John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And yet people get deceived. Sometimes they get deceived because they get offended and they don't even believe what God can do. Or sometimes they get deceived because they, they don't understand what, what God is wanting to do in their life. And they're like, oh, those will settle for whatever the, uh, the devil will offer them. Don't chop me down. But they'll not re recognize what God has already done in their life. See, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Now, some of you, that just tastes bad in your mouth. I know, I know, but the Bible says it. You remember it is he, God, who's given you power to get wealth, and he adds no sorrow to it. It was so important that even Abraham refused to receive anything from Melchizedek, lest Melchizedek say, you have made me rich. He was rich, but he, he understood the point of who, the source of that. Now, let me give you just a little perspective, because it doesn't always mean you have 12 Bentleys in your car, in your garage. Some people really can get sidetracked. I believe it's having enough so you can enjoy life, and more, you can help other people do what God's called them to do. 
and you're impacting the world. The Bible talks about the grace of giving, that you're able on every situation to be a part of the financial impact to make the things of God happen. Because the gospel is not without power to save every person, but it, is the, it does lack the, the ability for it to be propelled, so it needs people and, and finances to propel it. It's getting quiet. And so what the, what the end-time system is going to try to do, it's going to try to take everything away from you. I was just talking to Pastor Jesse uh, Tuesday, and the president in the Philippines has already told the Filipino people. Now, in the Philippines, it's a third-world country. We have uh, a lot of churches over in the Philippines. Pastor Jesse Ramos is, is the national director. He's the one I deal with. When I go over there, I'm ministering in his church, and then some of the, uh, he has like 10 pastors under him that have churches and have regional influence, and then they have pastors under them. And so usually I'm, I'm ministering to his church. I'm ministering in some of the, uh, that second level of pastors, their churches, and sometimes we'll do an outdoor crusade. We feed the people. But it's a third world country. First time I went when I came back, I literally, you hear people say it, but when I landed and went through customs in Detroit, I literally want to kiss the ground and thank God for America. People don't understand poverty until you go to a third world country. If you, if you make $150 a month, you're doing well in the Philippines. And they have McDonald's, and they have gasoline and cars. What they don't have is a middle class, so you're either really rich or you're really poor. It's the weirdest thing on the highways to see how these vehicles, you have real expensive cars that are really cheap. Like, how in the world do they keep that thing together? They'll have five or six people riding on a, on a motorcycle together. All hanging on. Someone holding a baby. It's the craziest thing. And their, their McDonald's and their gas costs more than ours. We, we checked it out one time when I was out there. We took prices of different things that we knew from the states and then found them there. And they were like two, three times more expensive because of imports. So how do they make it? Well, they live on rice. So for them... It's rice and vegetables, and then if you, I mean, if, you, if you have money, maybe some chicken to that. And that's, how the, that's just the way they do life. But the, pre, the president just got up and said to the people, this is per Pastor Jesse who told me, I wasn't there. He said, just made a public announcement. He goes, the Filipino people, they don't need to work so hard for food. That starting next year, and he gave me the month, and I don't remember off the top of my head, so I'm not going to say it. Starting this particular month, they're going to start giving the Filipino, each Filipino person $500 every two weeks. So keep in mind, $150 is good money. They're going to bring everybody up to $1,000 a month. Well, you, the first thing is to praise God, but where do you think they're getting that from? You better look to the person next to you. Folks, because that's what's happening. And I'm not against them coming up. But that part of the 2030 is that they eliminate poverty. And you say, well, I'm not rich. Are you listening to me? If you, have, if you slept on a pillow last night and you have more than one pair of shoes, you right now are in the top 8% income of the world. You're rich. Some of you got more than two pairs of shoes and more than one pillow. And we're not against nations, but you understand what they're trying to do is they're going to strip, that's the master plan for the Antichrist to take over. They're going to offer people this, 
Because of that kind of money, you know what they're going to do? Anything the government tells them to. They don't have to work anymore, and they get that kind of money. People are start selling their souls. Pastor Jesse says, Pastor Greg, I'll go hungry before I do that. Because the next thing is the mark. Oh, I'm just, okay, I'm talking to the wrong crowd. I'll just move right off. And don't tell me that that system's not in play or they're not working on it. Again, Matthew 24, it's birthing pains. So the pains will be similar but more intense and closer. And you never know which pain is going to be the pain that births the baby. But you know it's a pain in the process of birthing the baby. These things are pains, birthing pains of end times of the rapture happening. Now, I don't know where it's at, but we're close. Because even in the 2030, which is the treaty they're trying to sign right now amongst nations, that in seven years, the earth, to save the planet, and, and don't take my word for it, challenge it, go online, type 2030 treaty. Yeah, one of the points that they're, they're not hiding it is that they'll, in seven years, reduce the population by 25%. And if you're not good with numbers, that's one in four. I don't know which one of the four is going to get it. Just make sure you can outrun those three. And within the first, first three and a half year of the plan, they're going to create to save the planet a carbon footprint. And if you, don't, if you don't use resources of the earth well, everybody will have to have a digital, I'm not making this up, just a, a digital ID on the back of their hand. And you can't buy or sell without that. And if you aren't doing correct with the carbon and how you pollute and how you waste or save, if you don't handle resources correctly, you won't be able to buy or sell. That's the system that they're getting ready to sign right now. Is that the mark of the beast? I don't think it's the mark of the beast. I think it's a birthing pain to the mark of the beast. We're that close. We don't, we don't have, some of us, you know what I mean, and I'll be honest, we all deal with it. Some of us have made decisions have gone down paths and found out it was the wrong path, and then we repented, praise God, and got back in the right path that we had, a, you know what I mean, took time to get it. We don't have that much time anymore. Yeah. We, we, God needs us. We need you. We need to be on the right path. Amen? Amen. Seeing people get saved. Seeing people get ministered to. Seeing people get reached. Are you listening to me? Seeing people get healed. Seeing the power of God in your life and work, working through your life. We don't have, oh, I'll wait one day and I'll get serious with God and I'll get things right and serve. We don't have that kind of time. His path is the best path anyway. His path is the most powerful path. You need to get some coffee. I can tell by your eyes. You just... Once a year, it's okay. It's the walk of shame. You want to sit on the front row and go in the back. I'm going to talk about you all the way until you get out the door. Everybody look at his eyes. Sure, it's, it's okay. More coffee. Thank you, sir. <laughs> you said, that's mean. I know, but it was so much fun. <laughs> Isaiah 55, verse 10. Last verse. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55, verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in thing where, where I have sent it. 
the verse 11 we quote a lot. As God's word goes forth, it will not return void. God's word is the assignment. When God told Elijah in 1 Kings, I want you to go. I have commanded a widow woman to, to take care of you. Remember that story, right? And he, he went to the village to where the, and waited and saw her and said, give me some water and watch, give, give me some food and I don't have anything. I'll make this quick. And he, he, I just have a little oil and, and flour and I'm making some stick, grabbing some sticks and I'm gonna start a fire and make some uh, bread for my son and I and we're gonna eat our last meal. We're gonna die. And the prophet said, you gotta be thinking about what's going through the mind. But that God said, I commanded her, Right? Say, God's commanded. Come on. Say, where there's a command, there's a demand. Now, now stay with me. God wasn't being mean. I'm going to put this story on pause for a second, and I'm going to go right over here to another story. Because they were dealing with famine. When the famine was over, right, when, when, God, when God was uh, used Elijah and he wiped out the prophets of Baal and he went to see what was happening to, at the court and outrun the chariot and he found out and he found out that the, the queen said I'm going to kill Elijah and he got discouraged and he ran off and went to the mountain and God spoke to him and he found out that the still small voice is the clearest way God's speaking not in the other, other stuff and he said I want you to go do these uh, anoint these three people and one of those people he anointed was Elisha this I'm going really quick because many of you know this verse and when he went to a uh, anoint Elisha. He didn't stop him. He just touched him with the mantle. He just touched the mantle. What was Elisha doing? No, what was Elisha doing? Not Elijah. What was Elisha doing? Elisha, while he was doing what? He was plowing with oxen. See, I went so fast, you just missed it. What was Elisha doing? Plowing with. Where were they? In a season of You know what happens when you have a famine? You don't plant anything, and you don't work with those animals. You eat those animals. Tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. Why didn't God send him to Elisha for food? Elisha had to be well taken care of. Because while everybody's starving, he's sowing. He's planting, right? And he has oxen, oxen, more than one. He had a team of them. While everybody's starving, this guy's got to be feeding those oxen. Work with me logically, work with me. Unless you get a lot of pets, you know, get a big dog, they eat a lot of food. You get an ox, they're going to eat a lot of more food there. And if you get a team of oxen, you have to have a lot of food. While everybody's starving, this guy's got enough to feed the oxen. But God didn't send them to Elisha to be fed. And that story is not about a one meal because Elijah stayed with that woman in her upper room for a long time until the famine was over. What was the problem? What was the problem? What was the problem? God didn't, God, why don't you send me to that Elisha? He's got a lot. Of, why didn't God send me to you? We could have been eating steak because God wasn't looking for, come on, welcome back. Glad to have you. Did you honestly think taking your hat off would make you be disguised that I wouldn't recognize you? 
Do you think I am that distracted? He'll never see me coming. I love it. And you walk slow like that was going to really help. I love you. Gotcha. See, that's how you sneak up on people. All right. Love you. But God sent Elijah to a widow woman, not just for Elijah's sake, but for the widow woman's sake. It wasn't because he didn't find anybody else that could feed Elijah, but he wanted the widow woman to be blessed. We're not taking up an offering, so just chill out. But notice that. Notice how God, he sent a command. I've commanded that woman... I've commanded that woman to feed you. Why? Because there's power in the command. Not just for Elijah, but for the woman that's receiving the command. When God asks you to do something, the direction, the command of this word to guide you will empower you to where he's taking you. Now, I can't repeat that again. If you missed it, you didn't write it down. It's lost. Someone needs to put it somewhere so I can. God's word goes forth. It will not return void. It will not, it will not, it will not return void. It will accomplish that to which is sent. But verse 10, because verse 11 starts, notice, 11 starts, so shall my word be. So shall my, what do you mean, so shall my word be? You have to back up to verse 10 to understand how God's word is. And that's in verse 10, it says, as the rain and snow comes down from heaven and doesn't return, but goes and waters the earth, and notice the phrasing, look it up in your own time, and makes it produce. Makes it produce. King James Maketh it produce. Doesn't negotiate, doesn't invite it, makes it. He invites us on the journey. But, to the, when, but when you activate the command of the word by your obedience, then as that word goes forth, it makes it produce. The command makes a demand on what's been created. And when that which been, are you listening? That which is created refuses the demand of the creator, it no longer exists. Jesus said to the, to the little fig tree, where's the figs? You have branches, but the figs are gone, and I'm hungry. I'm making a demand for food. You are displaying by the branches that you have food. And because you are displaying something you don't have, when I'm making a demand, no one will eat from you ever again. He eliminated the assignment. He did what? He, now, Peter said you cursed it, but what he did is cancel the, say cancel the assignment. You know what cancel the assignment means? It's when you're on your way doing something for your boss and he calls you and says, come on back, don't worry about it. Or even worse, when he calls you and says, you're fired, we never want to see you again. That's the assignment has been canceled, right? Well, stay with me. I'm trying to get, if we can get in this box here. Are you ready? So when, when God makes a command with his word and you obey it, your obedience doesn't force God. It releases God. Revelation 3, I stand at the door, knock. If you hear my voice, and open up. I'll come. It releases God. Remove the stone, and then he could 
bring resurrection to Lazarus. It releases God to do what only God can do. What does he do? The release of the command, and you connect it with your obedience of faith. That's why you have a will. That's the door. You choose. You open it. You choose. You invite it in. And when you invite it in by your obedience, it creates a demand on that which has been created. All things were created by him and for him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. And if that which is made denies the command and demand of the creator, oh my God, Anything that denies the demand of the creator, regardless of who it is. When a demon denies the demand of a creator, when he makes the demand and he refuses, what happens? He is imprisoned. His assignment's been canceled. There was no question when the, when the man that, that was demonic with so many demons, over a thousand, and Jesus showed up, he didn't have to, Jesus didn't have to fight him. That man came running. Why? Because he recognized the creator. See, to you and I, he's Father God. Come on, somebody. To you and I, he's our Savior and our Lord. To you and I, he's our best friend. To you or I, but to the rest of creation, he is creator God. And that man came running and fell down and worshiped at the feet of Jesus. And said, and Jesus said, who are you? And he began to do his demon thing and saying how many demons and there's many. And he said, but don't, please cast this, don't cast this out. Just cast this into the swine. Because when the creator makes a demand, all creation must obey. And if the, the creation does not obey. Now, I'm still growing in this too because there's a level of, of this that we, we, we don't want to talk about. And that's that time that they woke Jesus up in the boat. Come on, somebody. And they said, don't you even care. We're about to die. And Jesus looked at him and said, what's the problem? Look at the waves. This is an unexpected. This is an impossible storm. And all of us said, they're like, Lord, don't you care about us? And he said, of course I care. What's the problem? And he looked around. The Bible says, and he stood up. Say, he stood up. I, I like this verse. He stood up. Most of us, we'd go down low and hide and hang on and, and anchor ourselves and grab onto something and cry, oh me, oh my, or why me, God. But he stood up. And what did he do? He rebuked the wind and spoke peace to the water. What happened? The wind ceased and the water got calm. And the Bible didn't say just calm. It was a great calm. There was a great storm, and now there's a great calm. There was a storm they had never seen before, and now there's a magnitude of peace they had never seen before. Why? Because when the created hears the command of the creator, it's not an offer. It's not an invitation. It is a demand from the throne of God. And it must come into alignment. Believe the unbelievable. Why, why do we struggle with that? There, there's a lot of different reasons. One, we're growing in our faith. We still got to figure this thing out. Some is we don't have value in words, so we don't understand the value of God's word. But when the creator makes a demand, God said, I commanded that widow woman. He couldn't force her to do it, but the moment she obeyed, things were changing. The impossible begin. See, that when you open the door, shh, Revelation 3, when you hear his voice, not just the knocking. When you, the knocking is because the impossible wants to come in for you. The impossible is because the unbelieve, the what is unbelievable wants to happen in your life. When you hear his voice and you open the door, you are opening the door for the, for the God of impossible 
to walk in. For he said to Martha, if you can believe, your brother Lazarus will rise again. I know he will rise again, Lord. Get challenge everything I say. I know he will rise again, Lord, at the last day, at the day of resurrection. And he didn't correct her from the perspective of, well, no, that's not going to happen. It will happen. That's true. That's true. But you don't understand what you're looking at. Because he is truth. And he said, Martha, don't you realize that I, come on, somebody, come on, I am. Oh, now we're getting into a whole nother level when you begin to study Moses and who God said he was. I am. I am the resident. Am I talking to anybody? I know you're hungry, but there's something burning on the inside of my spirit that someone's got to catch. He said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. I am the resurrection and I am the life. What is he saying? He's coming up sooner than later. It's going to be better than before. It's going to be different than you've ever seen. All you got to do is open the door and let the God of impossibility come into your house. The doctor said, I know what the doctor said, but he's the God of impossibility. The attorney said, I know what the attorney said, but he's still the God of impossibility. Oh, but the, uh, but the banker said, I know what the banker said, but he's still the God of impossibility. If you hear his voice, what is the voice? He doesn't tell He speaks. He makes a command. Do you catch what I'm saying? When you hear the command, oh my God, oh my God, help me. When you hear on the other side of, hallelujah, hallelujah. When you hear on the other side of what you cannot see. When you close the door, unless you got big windows and I didn't have windows in those, when, when you close the door, you don't see what's on the other side. You can't see them, but you hear something. He's not singing. He's not out there going, Woo, is anybody home? No! When the Creator speaks, He's speaking a command. Because as it goes forth, it will not return void. And he's saying, can you hear the command when you don't see it with your natural eyes? But I don't see how that's going to happen. He didn't ask if you see me. He didn't say if you figured it out. He said, all you need to do is not hear the knock, hear my voice. And the reason you hear his voice is because he's making a command. And when he's making a command, there's always an instruction but a demand. And when you obey the instruction... When you obey the instruction, when you obey the instruction, what happens? It releases the demand. It's like having a big pit bull. When you unleash, you release the pit bull to do what he can do when someone's trying to break in. Come on, somebody. You don't have to do it. You don't have to fight it. You don't have to force it. You just receive it because it's not you. The creator has made a command. And your obedience, because you heard the command, now opens the door for him to step in. Oh, my God. And the enemy will say, I don't have to go anywhere. When the enemy starts telling you he's not going or he, he's, he refuses to leave, the moment he's messing with you like that is the sign he's leaving. Because the enemy walks and works in darkness, which means you don't, are not aware that he was there. The moment he's identified, the light has come. And when light comes, John 1, 1, or excuse me, John 1, when light comes, darkness cannot hold it back. So instead of figuring how to defeat the enemy, all you got to do is find the command, hear the command. God, speak to me. Show me. 
your path. Because you are the God of my deliverance. You are the God of my prosperity. You are the God of my salvation. Show me. You make a command, and I'll be unto me according to your word, like Mary said. I'll do what you tell me. Why? Because your obedience doesn't make the miracle. It opens the door. Remove the stone, Martha and Mary. Martha says, but Lord, by now he's been here four days, and he smells. I don't care where he smells, how long he's been there, how impossible it is. I'm not asking if it's going to be a pleasant moment at the at the beginning I'm asking you do you want to see life I'm asking you today I don't care how long you've been in the pit how long you've been in bondage how long you've been tormented how long you've been sick I'm asking you I don't say if it's clean or messy do you want to see life if you want to see life give them a shout of praise right where you're at hallelujah you got to get enough of the stuff and say enough is enough. I'm tired of living with the pigs. I'm tired of smelling death. I'm tired of seeing death. I'm tired of seeing the enemy do it. I need life. Hallelujah. And when life shows up, death has to flee. When light shows up, darkness has to flee. When the creator makes a command, the natural, the created, natural and spiritual must obey. Regardless of the odds stacked against you. See, some of us, we like the odds. We all like the odds. We all like the odds. We all like the odds. But some God, God, he likes to fight. And he'll set, he'll put up a little David against a giant. Why? Because he's the God of impossibility. The God of impossibility. Devin, come here. And bring your wife. He's the God of impossibility. Now, I'm going to tell their story. And they can confirm it or not confirm it. Make sure I get this right. So uh, they were, you be seated for right now. They were on their way to drug rehab. They've been kicked out of other drug rehabs. On their way as drug addicts, family invited them to church, Jonathan Shuttlesworth meeting. They came to church and got saved, delivered, and they're on their way to Bible school. Did I get that right? You can go through every rehab book, plan, program, and not find that path. That path does not make sense. But when the creator speaks, oh, come on. Did I get that story right? Yeah, it was correct. Most of it was correct, yes. Right, give me what, give me, make it clear. Okay. So I was in rehab for one day, and it was the first time I prayed. And I said, please get me out of here. I'll do anything. I'll do anything. And uh, he listened, and he showed me what I had to do. I, the next day I came and saw Jonathan. And uh, went up to the altar call, was saved, we both were saved and delivered, and uh, then he asked about the calling to the ministry, and uh, my whole body started almost vibrating, and I just heard stand, and I stood, and uh, we sold everything, and uh, we're on our way to Pittsburgh right now. 
Come on, give him a praise. Come here, freedom. Stand behind him. They, they ask us to pray for them as they are launching, because they're leaving today after, today after the service, or Saturday. So this last Sunday here. Okay, so we're going to stretch your hands this way. Father, we thank you that you are the God of the impossible. And you have begun a good work in them according to your word. We send that word that you will not stop. You will not stop it. You will keep continue working. And I pray like we've been talking today, just as out of Ephesians 1, that you would ingrain within the DNA of every cell your supernatural divine purpose, your plan, your power, your provision. Father, not just in their thoughts, but in every spiritual and natural DNA. We call it to be imprinted by the truth of your word. Jesus name I call it so Jesus name father we thank you we thank you Lord I just speak not only that upon her as his wife but this the gift and the spirit of encouragement to come upon her right now in Jesus name the gift of encouragement rest upon her in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name we call it so come on give him a praise say he is the God Come on, shout, he is the God. He is the God of impossibility. Hallelujah, give him a praise. You don't even need me to pray for you. Some of you are like, I wish that was me he's praying for. Stand up and begin to give him a praise. He'll heal you just at the spoken word. He'll heal you in the atmosphere of the anointing. He'll touch you. He'll make your crooked path straight. He is the God. Don't look at me. Look to heaven. He is the almighty God. Besides him, there is no other. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. We praise you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We stand Stop fighting for it. And we receive what belongs to us. We receive healing today. We receive financial blessing today. We see, receive direction and insight today. We call your people whole right now in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe that, give them the next 30 seconds. Give them a praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to continue to learn to follow God's plan. His plan is a powerful plan. God's word is the power plan. God's word makes the demand. When we follow the plan, we release the God of impossibility, the creator, and to do what only God could do. And right now, by the authority in the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, I make a demand on your body, and I call it to be healed. I make a demand. We've had people walking by in the hallways working, volunteering, and the word of God goes forth, and they get healed right where they're at. You don't always have to have your people lay hands on you, and that's a wonderful thing. We do that. Uh, but I make a demand. I speak the word of God. The soldier told Jesus, speak the word only. I make a demand on your body. I command it to come into wholeness and alignment. I speak a demand. I release the word of God to make a demand on your finances. You obey the word of God, and I command the blessing of God to come in. I, I curse lack. I see in the spirit that there's people that you're struggling financially, but there's people along your, by your side guiding you, and they're, they are taken from you. This is not for everybody, but there is lack because of what people are doing. They're drawing from you without you realizing it. The spirit of God is going to open your eyes and show you who and how to handle it. In the name of Jesus, I, I speak the word into your mind. I come and we make a demand of peace over your mind. I curse and bind anxiety. I curse and bind mental health, sicknesses, illness. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we make a demand. 
Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus.